Hey. Yes? We've got a big meeting. Big Meeting by Pete Gamori and Adrian Hyatt. It's this afternoon. What? You know, I met this guy, Mark. He's a screenwriter and an author, and he goes to Hollywood all the time to pitch his ideas. This is big. This is our big chance to break into the industry, to get a film made. We've been writing films for since for te- five years, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> all our lives. We're going to be in a room with someone who could make this happen, or at least help to make this happen, finally, after all these years. It's scary, but that's why we're going to test them with each other. Okay. Make sure we pick the right ones, and then when we go into the room, we'll just be it will be we'll be on fire. We'll have the best possible pitches, and there's no way that at least he won't say, "I like your enthusiasm." Let me just open my binder. Ready? Pitch me. Yes. This film is called Yo There. Robert Duval sends Hugo Weaving an angry letter and mistakenly encloses a cheque for a million dollars. He must pilot a helicopter through the Bermuda Triangle with no training to put things right. <laughs> um, just a quick one. Yeah. Who's the cheque to? Cash. It's to cash. Yeah. Who's you know cash? how you do that? Oh, I see. You write cash and then it's... They do that in America, American things, yeah. like cash a cheque. Is it just no, no name on it? So it's like he can fill out his own name? No, no, you write. You, I think you write cash. Oh, really? And that, Is that how you do it? Let's check this. Let's say it's a blank check, Fine. just in case. Okay, and so he realizes his mistake, obviously, and he's mm-hmm. like, "I need to get him before he cashes the check, or I, or my business is mm-hmm. finished, my family's ruined, and my daughter won't be going to college this semester." And the only path to where Hugo Weaving is, who is not contactable through any electronic means, is through the Bermuda Triangle. Straight through it, not around it. No, straight through it through by it. helicopter, yeah. not by plane. They're like, they're helicopter. Like, they're like. If you can get, I mean, you could go via Brazil, but it's going to be too late. I mean, obviously, uh, that section of the ocean is is most easily accessible by helicopter. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm actually not sure if you could get a helicopter out that far, but you could try. You could try. <laughs> um, it's ship launched, ship based helicopter. Ship launch. So he, they're both on the ship. Aha. Or an oil rig. Hugo Weaving's on an oil rig. Robert Duvall's on a ship. There's a helicopter there. And he's like, the, the check will clear in like 24 hours unless I get on this helicopter and steal it and just go straight through the steel, fab- hang on, steel what? fabled Bermuda Triangle. Steal what? Helicopter's up on the deck. Oh, I see. But how is... And which one's Robert Duvall? He's the... the uh, he wrote the check. All right, who, and who's the other guy? Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Uh, so Hugo Weaving has the check on his oil rig or boat. Yeah. He's going to cash it. Mm, the Where? Rig bank. <laughs> <laughs> the boat he's, bank. He's got a special app that you can take a photo of checks with and it ah, cashes them for you. I see. But he's only going to enter a uh, a communication window with his satellite-based app uh, communication thing. Like only That only happens once every 24 hours. They send all their data yeah, up exactly. by boat. So yeah. he's like going to stop the, before that happens. Yeah. So does he have to st- destroy the boat and everyone on it? Uh, it crosses his mind. He's wow. on the helicopter. He's got through the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Spoiler, and he's got missiles. 
And he's like, missile. What kind of a helicopter is this? An attack helicopter? We well, know it's like it's a normal helicopter. It's like a millionaire's a billionaire's helicopter with and, missiles. And because he's flying it right, because he doesn't know how to do it, he's like pressing all the buttons, and one of them goes missiles. Arms. There are missiles on this helicopter. Who, hang, who owns it? The billionaire. What whose billionaire? Yacht he is on. Played by. Ooh, um, I'm thinking about um, Stifler. Nana Cherry. Nana Cherry is better than Stifler for this role. <laughs> And and so he's flying it, and, he, and it says missiles armed, and he's he's like the missiles on this helicopter, like that's worrying. But he, then he's like, okay, well, I've got two options: shoot the damn missiles, whole thing's cleared up, or take the high road, land the helicopter on this oil rig with no training, and have a chat, have a chatette, or fly the helicopter directly into it and just finish the whole thing. What will happen? Only do we find out? Yes, oh, we do find out. We do. High five. Pitch me. Untitled. Yep. Sarah Jessica Parker is a working mom with no time for the world of dating. She's never been in the attic since her divorce. One day, she goes up there to find an old tent and finds an identical copy of her entire house built (laughs) upside down on top of her actual house, with exact copies of her and the rest of her family living there, including her ex-husband. She starts visiting regularly, never letting the Mirror family see her, and falls in love with her husband again, wishing she'd never let him leave. One day, the Mirror her finds her (laughs) while looking for cling film in a cupboard, and they strike up a bizarre but touching friendship. Mirror her admits she's unhappy in her marriage and wishes she had an easy way out. They agree to swap places. The final shot is a slow pullback on the house exterior, where we see that there is, in fact, another house on top of the actual house, (laughs) but it's normally too cloudy to see it. Starring Anna Kendrick and Jason Statham, originally filmed as a six-season Netflix show, but truncated into a 91-minute feature. (laughs) That's great. So um, Jason Statham is the husband or another incidental character? Incidental character. Postman number two. Second postman. Second postman. Where's the first postman? Uh, he's not seen. You'd only hear his voice, and that's provided by the producer. Don't you hate it in TV shows where they've, after one season's finished and the second season starts, and they've had to get a new set or someone's cut their hair or whatever, and there's like one line in the show. We're like, oh, you cut your hair? They go, yeah. And then they get to talk about something else. You're like, just don't even bother. Yeah, just leave it. Like, yeah. we, we already know we're watching a TV show. Exactly. exactly. How so, does that relate to this? So there's another <laughs> postman, and then oh. later on, the next postman is Jason Statham. And literally... The door opens. Here's your post. Thanks. And he goes. And that's all. But it's Jason Statham. Ah, you know what? This could be extended, actually. There's many, many different postmen who visit the house. And it's never explained why it's always a different guy. Yeah. Because it was, yeah, season one versus season six postman. Her hair changes in almost every scene. It's very confusing. <laughs> they, they remodel the kitchen and they unremodel it. Because to make it make sense as a film, the edit had to go all over the place. So yeah. her, her father dies, um, but then yeah. he's back and they don't really explain why that is. And like Canada invades halfway yeah. through and there's like Canadian flags everywhere or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, uh, great. Apart from that, okay with that one? Uh, I'm okay with it. So Sarah Jessica Parker is sort of, uh, she's like, you, it's it's her and her. So she's doing all of this acting to a stand-in yes and then you 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 put her in afterwards it's done in the in the sort of i don't know if you ever watched um the dramatic television program from the bbc called um mr tumble (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. But he often does a split screen with either um, his uh, either Grandpa Tumble. Grandpa Tumble. Or uh, Lord Tumble. Lord Tumble or Chef Tumble. Uh, or Lady Tumble. No, she's called La- no Aunt Aunt Polly or something. Aunt Tumble, whatever she's called. Okay. But they do a uh, this sort of cheap version of that, yeah. where it's clearly someone else's arm, and they don't really ever show them next to each other properly. It's that. Uh, is it a bit like that when they, they you know, in 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 a proper film, you would have not that this isn't a proper film. Right. You'd have the two people like like they work really hard on them talking at, at each other and looking at each other's eyes and like they'll sort of go like that and you say know, so it looks like they touch each other. Yeah. This one, it's more like like with Mister Tumble, they're just literally talking at the screen and every so often they'll look to their right like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like exactly. the whole film is is Sarah Jessica Parker and another one kind of talking to the screen in front of a white white background. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. That's it. But also because this is edited together from different seasons some of the lines the reactions to one line are actually from a different episode just to make it work so the lighting and everything about the scene changes for that one bit of reaction great this would be a real challenge for sarah jessica parker but i mean if anyone can do it she can do it absolutely so when she's hiding and watching the other family yes is she what in like a cupboard is she sort of is the mirror her the mirror world just to check is it properly mirrored as in is it upside down yes so is the whole film upside down? That's how you know you're in the mirror world. Otherwise, it'd be too confusing. You have to have some yeah. sort of device. Does she become upside down when she goes into the mirror world? Or is she the right way up and everyone else is upside down? How does gravity affect her? No, no, no. She's the right. She's the same as everyone. Because otherwise, when they swapped, it wouldn't be a very convincing swap. <laughs> this is upside down person sort of walking on her the, hands. The big question is, when they get to the attic, how, how does that work? Do you walk on the wall for, on the, yeah, on the wall for a bit before you get to the ceiling? That's kind or, of what I'm thinking. Or is, it, is there a point right in the middle? A bit like at the end of uh, Star Trek Beyond, hmm. where the gravity well, like if you get right in the middle of it, you, don't, you, you aren't attracted to any one, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one bit. Um, so it's that. Uh, cool. Pitch me. Pitch me. Urgent Pizza. Every cast member from the entirety of Seinfeld reunite and act out a dramatisation of Houdini's last hours. Major overspend on special effects and rain machines mean there is no money for... (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) It's hard to get through. (laughs) No money for... (laughs) Dialogue? Oh dear. <laughs> Gotta calm down for a second. All right. It's fine. Ugh, I mean, there's no money for editing. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the rushes are simply screened in succession. <laughs> Is that it? Yes. What, uh, any estimation of how, how much time those rushes will fill in total? Well, Houdini's last hours. Is it shot in real time? <laughs> yes. Well then, maybe three hours. Three hours. That's it. You, Finished. You get it's, what you get. It's a it's a it's a one take three hour film of Houdini's last hours. Who plays Houdini? Well, it's all of the Seinfeld cast members. So I think it's probably Elaine. What's her name? Elaine. Elaine. <laughs> Sorry, she plays. She plays Houdini. Heavy ha- makeup. Harry Houdini. Heavy makeup. Yes. Fake moustache. Right. And are there enough parts for everyone else to play? There's a whole audience of people ah. in the crowd. Oh, of course. Hang and on, how did he die? Didn't he get punched? No, he, that was... He did yeah, get punched. Was. Yeah, yeah, he got punched. But then didn't he die at home on the sofa or something, like later? I would like to poetically uh, engineer that scene so it happens in... Live. Live. Okay, so he's being watched 
But I thought it was like some guy just saw him and said, oh, uh, can I punch you in the stomach? And he's like, yes. But he didn't have time to tense up. And so the guy punched him and it like ruptured his spleen or whatever. I think that's basically what it was. So I don't think it was in front of an audience. Uh, Again, if it's artistic license, that's fine. We're putting it in front of an audience. It's going to be in front of an audience. He invites a man up on the stage. He says, do whatever. Do whatever you want to me. (laughs) (laughs) The guy says, "Okay, watch this. Yeah. Punch. Okay. So the guy is Jerry Seinfeld, obviously. Fine. But ah. you, but, he, but with the condition is you can't do your Jerry Seinfeld thing. You've got to do some totally different, like really serious thing. And it's actually really weird and awkward to watch him. It's kind oh, of gosh. Like, yeah. That sounds interesting. So, but I'm really interested in this, this no editing concept. <laughs> so it's it's because it's, it's is it because Jerry Seinfeld himself is so expensive? Because I imagine he would want at least you know he'd want many millions just to even bother. No, Jerry is a major Houdini uh, fan, major nerd from the Houdini, and does it for free. Oh wow. It says here, major overspend on special effects on rain machines. Ah, see, I see. Sorry, rain machines yep. for the indoor sequence. No, it's just like, you know, in like Kurosawa films where like out at, in the in the window, there's rain behind the window. And that requires very expensive rain <laughs> machines. Constantly throughout the whole thing, you can see in every scene there's rain in the window in the background, but like not actually in the scene. How big is the window? About like one cubit. One cubit. <laughs> So why not? You could. Uh, can I suggest that you just have a guy with like a uh, watering can who just stands there the whole time doing that? Because that would uh, be free. But how realistic would it look? It's in. This is a small window in the background, uh, out of focus. I'm presuming. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> so I think it would be very realistic. Or and other special effects are included. Well, uh, yes. So for example, smoke. Ah, you know, uh, steam coming out of like there's like a pipe at the top of the stage, and there's a little bit of steam coming out of the vent throughout the whole thing. But you have to use like dry ice. Okay, major overspend. Major overspend. (laughs) They bought way too much dry ice, (laughs) and then they're like, "We've we've got it. We've got it now. We've got to use it." So they just let it all off, and like the opening scene is through the smoke, and you see the titles and that kind of thing. I I don't mean to nitpick here. Mm. (laughs) How much is dry? Does dry ice cost? I don't think because because when we say major overspend, I would have thought you mean sort of like twenty million dollar overspend. Let's let's just check. Look up dry ice and then just click shopping. Dry ice. Buy dry ice. Twenty seven pounds for how much? One packet. <laughs> well, uh, does it say how how many? Does it say okay? We need this to last for three hours only. Three hours worth of dry ice, yes. 2.5 kilos. That sounds like it would last for three hours. I don't think so. I think you'll get so it. I need think two you're packs. Shot. need two packs then. <laughs> so the budget for this film was £100. <laughs> Major overspend. And the main actor's free. <laughs> I would definitely go and see it. Let's put it that way. This one's called Spirograph. Mm-hmm. Fictional account of the invention of the popular plastic drawing toy, bankrolled and produced by the copyright owners. Greece, 380 BC, Spyromedes is an inventor (laughs) to King Graphon and his majesty's most trusted advisor. But as a drought strikes the region and the king increasingly goes mad, pressure builds on the inventor to discover a way to transport water effectively between cities. The only way to do this is to draw life-size charts of giant (laughs) wheels and cogs with Brian May and Eddie Murphy. That's brilliant. Um... Any, Any questions? Or is that pretty much watertight? It's, it's basically watertight. Uh, so this is in the mould of one of those films that that, that are made nowadays by, the, the like we were saying, the Barbie film. Yeah, they're making or, a Monopoly film. Monop- Monopoly um, 
They they are actually making a Monopoly film. Tell me about the giant charts. Well, Spyromedes needs to construct these giant charts. The only way in which he can uh, get funding for these giant cogs he needs to make is to actually show the money men what it's going to look like. And the only way to do that is to draw giant charts using spinning wheels. What year did you say it was? Uh, it's 380 BC. So what materials are these cogs made from? Well, no, see, that's the thing. They try and gloss over it because obviously the toy is made of plastic, so they don't want people to think this is inauthentic. But at the time, it would have been uh, wood, <laughs> I believe. Not marble. <laughs> no, not marble. The, uh, the teeth were of marble, but the, uh, the main part of the wheel was pure wood. And the marking uh, holes that you put the, hole, that put the thing in, the thing you put in it is uh, charcoal. Uh, great. Fully thought through. There's no, nothing. <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's actually very watertight, apart from perhaps that it's Eddie Murphy and Brian May. Why? Where, uh, <laughs> because. Neither of whom are from Greece. No. How old is Brian May? Uh, 70 something. I'd like to think he's Spyromedes and Eddie Murphy is the king. Fine. Gra- gra- uh, Graphon. Graphon. <laughs> and Brian May is like. Spirograph. Yeah, yeah, Spirograph. Right, yeah. And he's desperate to impress him. Yes. At the end of the film, do you see the the crazy invention has been because the spirograph is is meant to um, design the what does it do? <laughs> <laughs> the spirograph. The spirograph well, is used to design the water carrying mechanisms. That's right. And then at the end, you see this glorious. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. You, don't. you see. You see. The design is drawn in the final sequence. And the the, the uh, money men, whoever they are, treasurer, uh, the treasurer, um, at the end sees the drawings done by the giant spirograph and says, "Right now, I get it. Here's the money. Go and build the thing and save us all from this horrible drought." Is there a Spyromedes toy that is given away with every spirograph now? How, yes. do, how do you see the marketing activation? Well, it's it's just selling more spirogra- spiro spirographs. What's it even called? Spirograph, right? <laughs> What's it even called? Spirograph. Spirogram. Uh, selling more spirographs is the ultimate aim of all of this. But you could have ones that are the film tie-in ones, which, yes, are made of uh, look like they're made of wood, still of plastic, and come with a free Brian May figurine. <laughs> would he soundtrack it? Uh, yes. But it would only be using instruments available in that era. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, this is not really... A, this, is a, this is just a film pitch. Done. Love it. Thank you. In cinema soon. Mark, is it okay if I sit here? Is that all right? That's fine. Yes, yeah. wherever you want. Yes. Thank you so much for letting us come into your office. This is amazing. Sure. Come on, let's go. Time uh, is money. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. Hollywood's waiting. Are you okay if he has ideas and wants to change? I don't want to change anything. You don't want to change anything. anything? Let's pretend that he can have a go. Okay. It's nice to him. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to pitch a couple of ideas to you. Sure. And just tell, be absolutely honest what you think. Brutal. You know, yeah. Be brutal. Be brutal, please. Okay. So this pitch is called the Infinity Engine. January Jones accidentally disorganises the sheriff's seashell collection and all hell breaks loose. It's the last stand meets the Philadelphia story on steroids. Right. So, I... Oh, I guess I would say no. Is, is it because it's too big an idea? I... Well... I mean, you're playing fast and loose with the word idea, I think... We can change January Jones if that's the issue. We're open to one or two other choices. Well, I mean, at least there's some kind of alliteration in that. Um, So of all the things I dislike about it, the January Jones element is 
down the list, I would say. You have a script, or...? There, there, w yes. Okay. It's, it's largely blank pages, but we have, right. we have set up the document. I see, yes. Okay. But it's a, very, it's a really good template. Very good. But there are no words. So you're serious about this. Yes. D talk to me about, tell me about January Jones. I think the January Jones, we, we, we know her as uh, a, a classy lady. We've seen her um, in, in Mad Men. Uh, as somebody who's sophisticated, who's troubled, but she's very stylish. So obviously what we want to do is the entire opposite of that. I'm seeing kind of shaved head, tattoos, that kind of thing. Good idea, right? Well, I mean, we'd have to talk to January's people. I mean, I... Um, her hairdresser, you mean? Yeah, I mean, she... Well, I mean, I would probably start with her manager before we before we got there. I know she is looking to do more telly these days than film. I see. But Can we, Adrian, will you just write down, uh, remember to Google what... Uh, a hairdresser and, and manager. What's a manager? What is a manager? The other thing is the Philadelphia story. Let's what my parents, for example, often say about the Philadelphia story is that it's not. It's just they love it, but it's just not. It's, oh, it's not violent it's enough. enough. You have nailed the "give me something I haven't heard before" brief. So, d d listen. Uh, that's. Um, I, I, I can see you've got some thoughts on that one. That's absolutely fine. We'll, we'll rework it a little bit, and maybe we'll email it to you. Um, later on, the, the entire script and some attachments I, I, and yes, a wee transfer file. I, I think as long as you're prepared to change every aspect of that, mm. I think you might have something mm. there. Well, that's, that's, that's positive. That's positive. And interesting you say that because effectively that's what the next pitch is. So should we, should we move on to the... Let's, let's move on to the next one. We'll next give you another pitch. one. Next we'll pitch. One. Okay. Bounty 3. The ghost of Habsburg Emperor Frederick II and a zombified Oliver Cromwell hold a secret meeting on Pluto to divide the solar system up between them. Parliament is paralysed with indecision and the galaxy itself must come to the rescue. Pretty much a slam dunk on that one. Yeah, he's, he's thinking about it for quite a while, which I think probably what he's thinking is... Do I have um, any questions? Do I have any questions? Who, who, who am I going to contact first? Because I'll probably need to put... Can I get out of this meeting without them knowing I'm interested and yeah. steal the idea or something like that? Is the three a, uh, a number or a word? It's a number. It's the third bounty film. Right. And Remind me of the previous two. Oh, they, they, it's like Star Wars Episode Four. I so see. We give ourselves the latitude to then make Bounty Two and Bounty One, which, which right. is, I mean, it's 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 great uh, a great way of um, uh, setting up the, the the next ten years of, of bounty movies. But actually, if we were to follow through, just I want to make this clear from the beginning, the next one we'd want to make after Bounty Three is actually Bounty Seventeen. Right. So as long as we can agree on that before we start. What's the on. premise of Bounty 17? We're, we're not sure yet. Ah. Okay. So but I'm not sure important. what I'm agreeing to. Do you like those two characters? Well, I'd like to know more about the zombified Oliver Crom Cromwell. What, uh, well, what would you like to know? I mean, what, well, how did he become zombified? Yes, good, that's a fantastic question. Brilliant question. He's not back from the dead, as it were. This is a... He's been given a zombie... A kind of a zombie virus during his lifetime. And then at the time, you know, records show that he died. He didn't really die. That was a cover-up. Ah. He went off into hiding and honed his zombie powers. Now he's back. Deep state. The, the, the well, um, of all of the ideas that you've pitched so far, Ooh. this has... The most commercial appeal. I would say the least chance of going forward. Is it? Is it because of... Oliver Cromwell, name recognition in America. Is that, is that what you're worried about? Period stuff's expensive, you know? Well, there's a, there's a lot of costume and makeup, because not only do you need the period costume, you yeah. also need the zombie makeup. And the space, I think, you well, mentioned? Well, the, 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 meet, the secret meeting is on Pluto. Pluto. Yes, Pluto. Yes. However, 
it's in a room on Pluto. Don't necessarily need to see Pluto. I think we can cut back there. Yeah, it's, it's just referenced heavily. It's kind of like in Doctor Who in the old days, where there would just be a it would be one one scene, sure, and all of the Pluto action is in that same kind of six square meters. I think let's not fix it now. Uh, in terms of the effects, I think there are some things that we would need to have in place before we got others involved, and my name anywhere near being associated with it. But. I like the idea of a galaxy being divided up by historical figures. And so, I, and, and how about how about this? What if it was a movie where everything was done on green screen, and there's only because the ghost of Habsburg Emperor Frederick II could be CGI, um, Parliament could be CGI, like in those scenes uh, in movies where you're just filling in the background and you never actually get as close into people, so it's just a crowd, so it makes it even cheaper. Can I say how about a matte painting? A matte painting. Just a matte painting. Brilliant. Slowly zooming in on a matte painting Brilliant. for 30 minutes. And there is one actor who is going to play Oliver Cromwell, and that's where all the, all the effort goes. But the rest of it is actually very simple to make. Does that make We're going to do green screen. I quite like Andy Serkis to be involved because, and you know, I mean. He's the man. He's the green yeah, screen. He, man, he could be he? a zombie Oliver Cromwell, I absolutely, think. Absolutely, absolutely. I would prefer. He may be busy doing proper stuff, I don't know, but. Well, I, do, I don't think he's had an idea like this. Uh, come through his letterbox. Well, I would not disagree with that. I would be very happy to have Andy Serkis involved, but I would say that we had David Duchovny in mind for the voice, at least, of Zombified Oliver Cromwell. Right. Um, so a- any like particular reason why? Great voice. Great voice, yes. Rich. Rich, rich voice. Rich, meaty voice. <laughs> now, and one other thing, Ghost of Habsburg, Emperor Frederick II, something, something has just come to me. This is kind of the way we work, that we just come up with these great ideas on the spot. Yes, no, um, I'm, I'm, yes, learning in real time. Yes. You're sensing that. Mm. Do you remember Rent-A-Ghost? Yes. And I, I, it may not be in Rent-A-Ghost, but I, I have this vision of, um, of the ghost actually just being a kind of a head without a body. Yes. And kind of floating yes. around the screen, sort That's of bobbing cheaper. up and down. That's cheaper. Cheaper. So, uh, so actually, when, uh, when they're deciding how to divide up the map of the solar system, you have zombie Oliver Cromwell pointing at things, and then you have the head of this ghost just bobbing around him, saying things like, Hark! And, and he spins around sometimes. Yeah, exactly. In the air. Now, <laughs> yeah. uh, just one one additional thing, just to flag it, is obviously Habsburg Emperor Frederick II would be speaking would be speaking German. Yes. Mm. Throughout mm. the whole film, mm. so that's going to happen. Yes. Subtitles throughout. I know that can be off-putting, but at least then the any Plutonian words that are used would also be helpful because because they're having a meeting. So occasionally the meeting uh, organizer from Pluto comes in and says things. Yes. Let's let, let's go should to we, the next one. Should we move on? Let's go to the next should one. We move on because that's a good one. But um, we just need to repackage it slightly to be the whole matte painting. We'll get we'll get someone to do some concept art and we'll get it delivered to your house. Um, how big is your door? Uh, let, don't worry about that. Let's you know just send me an email. It's fine. We'll do both. We'll do both, just as a backup, yeah. I think you're going to love this one. Okay. The Conundrum of Michelle. A story in between seasons one and two of famous BBC docu-comedy Alo Alo. Resistance leader Michelle is knocked unconscious by the British airmen's fake saucy song and enters a dream world where she visions an incredible and hyper-real future. René is cosmic emperor clad in chrome and fibre optics. Edith. Edith dances wildly in a permanent fugue state to garner transgalactic messages and a kind of lenticular hair flick screams from his prison inside a wormhole. Before she can begin to comprehend the meaning of this vision, she wakes in the cafe cellar. 
If you watch carefully in the first episode of season two, the editors left in shots where Michelle, in between her lines, has a look of manic, silent horror in her eyes as the other characters talk. Right. I've kind of forgotten where we started on this. <laughs> Just to reset, it's a story <clears throat> set between seasons one and two of A Low, A Low. Yes, that's right. Mm. And a, then fe- a feature-length story in a, between a the two seasons. A feature-length story. In fact, this is... I think we need at least three hours to fully... Three hours, 15, you know, Titanic kind of length. Is there any point to this? Is there a... Well, I mean, Alo Alo is a hot property. Well, is it? I mean, we watch it a lot. Mm. So other people must too. We assume they we, do. We think. I have the full box set. Alo Alo made an impact on a lot of people's lives growing up, and I think it's high time it had the feature treatment with a twist... And the twist is that it's nothing like Hello, Hello. <laughs> that is exactly the twist. Ah. Same okay. characters, but it's a whole psychedelic future vision that Michelle has where the same characters are in completely unbelievable, amazing scenarios. Uh, we're, we're riffing off uh, the, the source material in a whole new way. A bold new vision. A bold new vision. It's It's bold. I, I will. I will give you that. I mean, is this a? You hear about old classic BBC um, episodes being found, you know, in a, somebody's garage or something. You know, the lost episode of Doctor Who. Or is this? Is this? Is this how you envisage this? This would people that watched Hello Hello would love this. Yes, that's exactly how it feels. It's it's this it's this moment that. Or, I mean, when you watch Hello Hello seasons one and two. I mean, you naturally say, hang on, there must... In between these two... I can, I can tell in between these two seasons there would have been some, some missing links which they never made. Probably what they would be a, a, psychologic, uh, a psychological um, spasm in, in <laughs> Michelle where she dreams of a, a bizarre future. That's definitely the most likely. Guys, I just... It's just too out there. Oh, so, yeah, you, I know you, it's, so you, don't, you don't want it? You don't like it? Uh, I neither want it nor... Why, why, why set it in between series one and two? Why not do like a prequel? They're very popular at the moment. We could do a prequel, but the British Airman's fake saucisson might have to be changed because I think that was introduced yes. in yes, series I, one. Yes, I think that's one of many components that would need to be changed. Do, I love the idea of a prequel. Yes. Do you mind if I read you a prequel idea? Sure. To Hello, Hello. On the spot? On the spot. Right now. Hello, Hello, the prequel. Is it just called Hello? Yes. Funny you should say that. Yes. What are the chances that we actually have... I've got it, I've got it. Hello, hello. Got it. Okay, we actually do. Hello. The highly anticipated prequel to classic BBC comedy, Hello, Hello. Julianne Moore portrays a young Edith in her heyday, living it up in turn-of-the-century Paris. Cavorting with the loose society of the time draws criticism from a stern aunt, and she is packed off to the countryside village where she meets a dashing young man at a barn dance. A whirlwind romance ensues, followed by a tragic elopement to the wild excesses of Monaco, where it transpires that the paramour is in fact a Nazi spy called Engelbert von Smallhausen. A Monegasque princeling named Jean saves her from the clutches of the future Gestapo officer when he sees them arguing near the Salle Garnier. Her heart broken by the betrayal, Edith returns to Nouvion and resigns herself to a quiet life. But von Smallhausen gives chase. 
there is a struggle and Edith accidentally fires von Smallhausen's gun, killing the local cafe owner, René. Von Smallhausen is chased out of town when Jean, her saviour once again, arrives on horseback and assumes the dead René's identity. Well, I, I don't hate it. Whoa! I don't hate it. This next film is called Slices of Jelly. Jelly reviewers Jack Nicholson and Pauline Quirk develop ESP after dunking their heads in a barrel of neutron waste from CERN. Nicholson begins to use his powers for evil, making millions in illegal high-stakes what-number-am-I-thinking-of contests, and Quirk gives chase around the world to try to stop him. In Tokyo, they finally settle things in a baseball bat fight on top of a skyscraper. Slices of jelly. So, I have an idea. Please. Um, what if this is one of those movies where, instead of giving them a script... One of those movies. Instead of that, we speak to their people. As I mean, I now we understand they have managers and, and things. And we say, we'd like to say to them, we'd like to offer them to do a kind of a travelling around the world documentary trying different types of jelly. What we do is we then um, introduce props and little weird scenarios... Uh, we get the producers to kind of interfere a little bit, which starts to develop this story. And then basically we get them on a rooftop in Tokyo and give them baseball bats. And by that point, we'll have messed with their minds so much that they just have a fight. So they, they think, hang on. So they think they're making a documentary, but we're actually making a fictional yeah. feature it's, film. It's, it's very hard to pull off. But if we do... It's a bit similar to Tropic Thunder? Yeah, it is very similar to Tropic Thunder, but with Pauline Quirk. Right. Um, again, guys, it's a difficult sell. I mean, we Jack could... Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Well, yes. I don't think we'd get Jack if I'm... If, if he I'm... knew we already had Pauline, do you think that would make a difference? No, I don't. Am I right in thinking that Jack Nicholson, Ben Stiller and Pauline Quirk share the same agent? Is that no, true? No, they don't. That's not true? No. <clears throat> okay. Um... Listen, thank you so much for your feedback. This has just been amazing to, ha to have this uh, opportunity with you. Um, we really want to leave you with something that's just going to blow your mind and is going to make you feel like these guys are the guys you need to come to when, when you need some ideas. Because I, I, what we're getting, I think, is that you love our ideas. You, mm. love, our, you love our creativity. You love us. That, that goes without saying. You where, shook our where hands. Are you, where are you getting that from? I mean, I'm just sort of picking it up. I see. You, you know. Right. Vibes. But but what you need is something which is more commercial than what we've given you, something which is just an obvious box office hit, which anyone can understand, which is relatable, which is simple, a simple, pure idea, right? Tentpole. Yeah. So, Oka and Ikor. Mads Mikkelsen can't understand why no one likes his paintings. He studies under the foremost watercolorist in Paris, but is still shunned by the conservatoire. Years later, cat people discover his work and hang it in their awful ziggurat temples. Can Quasoc overcome the blasphemous hordes of Raith and reach the grand Neohippos in time? That's it. Simple as that. Simple tentpole slam dunk. Ochre and Ikor. Mads Mikkelsen. No pictures on the poster. Literally those words. Or... Oh. Yes, or I'm liking if, the or. Or, if that's the only problem with this film, na name your star. I mean, we'll, we'll literally, we, we, we can parachute in. And, and are the, is this like Cats the musical? Is this how you, or are they CGI type no, I cats? Think, I think it's cat, like Cats the musical. Right. They're just people with face, face paint. So it's, 
Right. So it's Impressionist painting meets Cats the Musical. If that's how you think you need to pitch it to, to the Hollywood people, because you know how they work. Cats are very popular, though. Cat videos on the internet get millions of hits. That is true. I, I'm thinking about this film. In, in the land of the cat people, probably what you would have is... Now, the land of the cat people is a good title. Land of the cat people. Um, so, in the land of the cat people, I imagine there will be a lot of cats roaming everywhere. So most of the shots, when you see a full person in the shot, you also see just lots and lots of cats walking around by their ankles, but everywhere. It's not just like when they go out in the streets. Everywhere, in every room, mm, there is a constant mm. stream of cats up to sort of mid, mid-calf level. That's terrifying. Not to cat people. It was to me. I can see, you know, the likes of the Sci-Fi Channel and mm. maybe... Maybe kind of a modern-day Roger Corman B-movie creature feature style. Mm, not really what we were going for. Approach. But no, yeah. I know you were going for tentpole. Um, mm. I don't think this is tent. In fact, I know it's not tentpole. Would you say that in this film, uh, the cat people portion of the film should be um, most of the film, or maybe just the last five minutes? So, in other words, what we watch is an entire film of Mads Mikkelsen painting. And then at the last last five minutes, what happens is it says a million years later, and we see the cat's temples and his paintings hanging there, and Quasocks race against time. Mm. Well, mm. that would set up the sequel. It would. In fact, post credits maybe the music still playing. No people no, have left the cinema. People have left the cinema. Yeah. And there's just a thirty second, uh, ten seconds. Yeah. Tease, which is effectively the trailer for the sequel. I. Look, if that if you think that'll work, which it sounds like that's what you're saying, well, that's I mean, what we'll go with. I I believe anything you told me about creature features because look at things like Sharknado, right? Who snakes on Sharknado a plane? Four. Who would have thought? There's a challenge for for a theatrical release. I think that's I think that's what I'm hearing here. I I can see this going straight to um, straight to sci-fi. I can see um, you know some of the lesser well-known networks that don't get any viewers being quite interested in this. I think you might have to put Tara Reid in it. She's very popular yeah, with that audience. that's fine. That's very could, popular with that she audience. She could potentially direct. I was actually thinking uh, that we're, we're happy to come down to Scorsese's level and pitch it straight to Netflix. They can finance the whole thing. We're, we're not above that. We're not above that. We know it's not a theatrical release. On this one, we'll take a hit straight to Netflix. I think Tara may want a writing credit as well. Fine. Well, let's just talk about that. Oh, Sorry. She can write the 10-second tease. She can, do a, she can do the song. She can do the... Uh, There's the a song, song that goes over the opening credits. I see. And throughout the film. Two, but it's all on... Um, Mini-disc. No. <laughs> um, what's it called? It's all on accordion. Right. It's an accordion-based score. <laughs> yes. Love it. To almost mimic and get, you know, the, the sound of a, of a screeching cat... That's right. Yeah, you know, coming it, through the audience. And it's so beautiful that in fact it drowns out all of the uh, dialogue throughout the film. So whoever we bring in to, to massage the script, any other writers, we won't need to pay them because you won't be able to hear any of the dialogue. I so have, that's another winner. I have two... Uh, sorry, I, Another winner? Yes, another. Well, well, uh, on top of the many well, we've just mentioned. Right. Well, I have two things to say. One is... I'm sort of surprised, although very happy, that this film, out of all of the ones we've pitched, seems to be the most likely to get made, in your opinion. Mm. The second thing I was going to say was, um, earlier on you said maybe not Mads Mikkelsen. Should we just very quickly mm. 
pitch, come up with uh, 10 actors off the top of our head that we could replace them and you just say yes or no as to whether you can you think this would improve the film. Mm -hmm. So not Mads Nicholson, but... Uh, the guy from Homes Under the Hammer. That sounds like a no. It's not a no. It's not a no. No, it's very much a no. Oh, it's a no. Okay. Um, Too expensive. Fair enough. Next. Fine. Mm. Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne could do it. Yes. Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. He, he wouldn't be annoyed Have you this. pitched this to Steve? <laughs> we got close. Right. To his... To his bodyguard. bodyguard. To his building. Before we were turned away. Hilary Benn. Hilary Benn. <laughs> I think you were closer with Mads Mikkelsen, even though that was conceptually miles away. Well, I'm so glad that we can... We can uh, we end can on a high. End on a high and move forward with this project. I, I'm, I'm very glad that the grand neo-hippos hasn't brought up any issues or questions or, or it's not a stumbling block. I think we'll probably leave that for, a, for another meeting. For a production meeting. What would you suggest that our next step should be with um, this film? Well, certainly out of here would be a, would be a good... You oh, know, straight, straight to... Uh, straight, straight to... Straight, the airport. Anywhere else. Right. Um, to, just, to just start working on it, to work up the airport concepts. Bar. Airport bar. So as soon as we, 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 we've nailed it, jump on the plane. Are you okay with concept drawings in Biro? I was thinking of, of uh, one single sheet of A3 a divided into incredibly small panels. Storyboard the entire film on one sheet of A3 paper. You know, I bet you could, <laughs> I bet you could do an entire film on one piece of graph paper. What is a piece of graph paper? With... with with the you know graph paper with the little squares, well yes, so get a magnifying glass, take a very very fine. Oh, pen you mean do and do the drawings within each cell? Because that's I mean yeah you know, we're 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 saving money for the project already. Thank you so much for your time. This was this uh, the, I feel like we have taken a, a bigger step forward than we ever thought imaginable. For sure, when we're in LA with this, we'll we'll have we'll have lunch. Um, we owe you a lot. Follow up with Lauren, and you know she can keep me posted on. What's going on? And Lauren's the lady out there? She's yes, she is. Okay, that's right. right. She, it, it, um, just so you know, she, it was quite hard to get into the room. She was really telling us, there must have been some misunderstanding with the meeting. She kept saying, right. guys, you can't go in there, you can't go in there. And we said, don't worry, it's all, it's all fine. Clearly a diary we, we had to, we had to We have to wait here for about 20 minutes while our taxi uh, arrives. Oh, yes, so you, I, you can just get on with some work. Could I just ask you to do that outside? No, um, we'll just not, like, uh, I've clearly got a few phone calls to... Could you go outside and we'll stay in the room? To, 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 or is that... I want to put my feet Just because there's two of us. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. Okay, we'll go, we'll go. Fair, there's no, two of us and anyone. I know, don't worry. We'll, get, we'll go, we'll go. It's fine, absolutely fine, absolutely fine. Some people are a bit weird about this kind of thing. Okay. Big meeting. Oh, my God. Wow, that was intense. I mean, it was a bit weird how we got sort of ushered out of the building, but he was so nice to actually even talk to us in the first place. He's a really nice guy. And um, uh, I think we learnt a little bit. Do you think we need to change anything about the way we do this? The way I remember it, he loved everything. We should keep it exactly the same. Do you remember something different? I don't remember anything different. I thought it was an overwhelmingly positive response to everything that we said. Right, let's go home. Which way? This way. Do you have any money for the bus fare? Nope. They don't take money anymore. I mean, they take money. You know what I mean. Get more Big Meeting now on all good podcast things. <laughs>